Catherine Mansfield. Innovative, accessible, and psychologically acute, is how the Poetry Foundation describes the short stories of Catherine Mansfield. Highly regarded in the 20th century, although less known today, Mansfield experimented with modernism and brought new genres to the short story format. Writing about relationships, sexuality, the middle class, war, and everyday life, Mansfield was welcomed by members of the Bloomsbury Group in London. Sadly, her untimely death at the age of 34 prevented Mansfield from rising to the celebrity ranks of her friends, such as D. H. Lawrence, 1885-1930, and Virginia Woolf, 1882-1941. Born into a wealthy family on 14th of October 1888, Kathleen Mansfield Beecham, Catherine was a pseudonym, grew up in Wellington, New Zealand, with her four siblings, two older sisters and a younger sister and a brother. Her father, Sir Harold Beecham, 1858-1938, was a successful businessman and, later in life, the chairman of the Bank of New Zealand. Catherine's grandfather, Arthur Beecham, 1827-1910, briefly stood as a member of Parliament, and her cousin, Elizabeth von Arnim, 1866-1941, became a well-known author and, briefly, conducted an affair with H. G. Wells, 1866-1946. Mansfield's happy childhood memories made their way into several short stories, which she began writing in the late 1890s. Her first written works appeared in the magazine of Wellington Girls High School, which she attended until 13 years old. In 1900, Mansfield submitted a story to the children's page of the New Zealand Graphic and Ladies' Journal, which they published the day before her 12th birthday. The tale, His Little Friend, described the relationship between a man and a young child he met on the road. The man, John, came from a wealthy background, whereas the little boy lived in poverty and had nothing to eat. John gave the child food from his garden, but it was not enough to save the boy from a fatal illness. The sad story revealed Mansfield's awareness of her parents' wealth and the poverty of the working-class members of society. As a child and teenager, Mansfield kept a private journal, in which she jotted down personal experiences and story ideas. They reveal her infatuation with the son of her cello teacher, who did not reciprocate her attention. As she got older, she wrote about the mistreatment of the indigenous Mari people, who she believed were repressed by society. To counteract this, Mansfield portrayed the Maori in a positive light in her stories. On these occasions, she painted white people in a negative light. Catherine and Ida In 1903, Mansfield traveled to London with her sisters to attend Queen's College, an independent school for girls aged 11 to 18. As well as academic studies, Mansfield focused on practicing the cello, which she dreamed of playing professionally. Her aspirations soon changed after contributing to the college magazine, which she later edited. Many commented on Mansfield's aptitude for writing, particularly her friend Ida Baker, who also loved to write. After completing her schooling, Mansfield returned to New Zealand, where she concentrated on writing short stories. Many of these appeared in the Native Companion, for which she received payment, thus cementing her ambition to be a professional writer. She published these works under the name K. Mansfield, her first initial and middle name. Mansfield's journals from 1906 to 1908 suggest she had many romantic relationships. Whilst the majority were male, Mansfield wrote about two women and her conflicting feelings towards them. Same-sex relationships were illegal, but Mansfield felt unable to repress her feelings. On one occasion, she wrote, I want Mata, I want her as I have had her, terribly. 
This is unclean I know but true. Matamahupaku, 1890-1952, was a Maori woman whom Mansfield knew from childhood. They became close after Mansfield's return to New Zealand, but their relationship ended when Mata married in 1907. The other woman Mansfield wrote about was called Edith Kathleen Bendall, but there is very little information about her. Growing wearing of life in New Zealand, Mansfield returned to London. Her father agreed to send her an annual allowance of £100, although she quickly took up a bohemian lifestyle. After moving from place to place, Mansfield decided to seek out the son of her cello teacher, Arnold Trowell. Just as before, Arnold did not return Mansfield's advances, but his brother, Garnet, did. After a brief but passionate affair, Mansfield realized she was pregnant. Sadly, Garnet's parents, who disapproved of the relationship, forced them to split up. Not wishing to have a child out of wedlock, Mansfield hastily accepted a marriage proposal from George Bowden, a singing tutor. They married on 2nd of March 1909, but regretting her decision, Mansfield fled shortly after the service. For a while, she found solace at the house of her friend Idaho when her mother, Annie Beecham, arrived in England after learning about the failed marriage, she blamed her daughter's lesbian relationship with Idaho angrily, Annie packed her pregnant daughter off to the spa town of Bad Wurschofen in Bavaria, Germany, and cut Mansfield from her will. While in Bad Wurschofen, Mansfield suffered a miscarriage. After recuperating from the trauma, she returned to London in 1910. Mansfield's experiences in Bavaria, which included learning of various European authors, prompted her to start writing again. Before her marriage to Bowden, Mansfield only published one poem and one story in London. Her new literary outlook resulted in a dozen short stories, which she submitted to The New Age, a socialist magazine owned by Alfred Richard Orridge, 1873-1934. Through Orridge, Mansfield met the English writer Beatrice Hastings, 1879-1943, with whom she developed a close, possibly romantic, relationship. In 1911, Mansfield published a series of short stories about life in Germany under the title In a German Pension. Some of these tales reference her plight, but most satirically represent the habits of German people and the state of their unhealthy sewage system. On occasion, Mansfield mentioned the misrepresentation of women and how men exploit them. Mansfield in 1912 For some time, Mansfield attempted to get her work published in the literary, arts, and critical review magazine Rhythm. The editor rejected her first attempt for being too lightweight, so she responded with a darker, fova story titled The Woman at the Store. Set in the desolate New Zealand countryside, three friends stopped to rest at a store owned by a mentally deranged woman. Whilst the woman attempts to woo the visitors, her neglected daughter reveals to them through her drawings that her mother killed her father. In 1912, Mansfield joined Rhythm as an associate editor. She developed a close relationship with the main editor, John Middleton Murray, 1889-1957, and they had an on-and-off affair, which inspired the characters Gudrun and Gerald in D. H. Lawrence's Women in Love. Mansfield and John Middleton Murray Rhythm magazine folded in 1913 after the publisher Charles Grandel absconded, leaving them with many debts. Around this time, Mansfield experienced bouts of ill health. A friend persuaded Mansfield and Murray to rent a cottage in Colesbury, Buckinghamshire, where Mansfield could recuperate. When her symptoms did not alleviate, they moved to Paris, hoping a change of setting would boost Mansfield's health or at least inspire her to write again. Mansfield succeeded in writing a short story titled Something Childish But Very Natural, 
but it was not published until after her death. In 1914, Mansfield and Murray briefly split up when Murray returned to London to declare bankruptcy. Remaining in France, Mansfield conducted an affair with the French author Francis Carcot, 1886-1958, which she narrated in her short story, An Indiscreet Journey. The tale describes the journey of an English woman on her way to meet her lover on the front line during the First World War, and the people she met along the way. Mansfield and Murray reunited in 1915, but Mansfield's outlook on life changed after receiving the news of the death of her younger brother Leslie. While serving with the British Expeditionary Force in Ypres Salient, Belgium, Leslie suffered fatal wounds during a grenade training exercise. His death made Mansfield nostalgic about her childhood in New Zealand, which she reflected in her writing. Catherine Mansfield In 1917, Mansfield and Murray split once again. Mansfield purchased an apartment where she lived for a time with her friend Ida, who she referred to as my wife. Although no longer together, Murray visited Mansfield regularly and eventually won back her heart. During this time, Mansfield wrote prolifically, often on themes of marriage or lost love, and published many stories in the New Age magazine. Later that year, Virginia Woolf and her husband Leonard, 1880-1969, approached Mansfield to ask for a story. They needed writers for their new publishing company, Hogarth Press, and Mansfield happily presented them with her work in progress, Prelude. Wolf encouraged her to finish the story, which Mansfield based on her childhood, particularly the family's move to Carori, a country suburb of Wellington, in 1893. Eventually published by Hogarth Press in 1918, Prelude encompasses themes of feminism, isolation, freedom, servility and familial relationships. Catherine Mansfield Portrait In December 1917, Mansfield received a diagnosis of pulmonary tuberculosis. For the rest of the winter and following spring, she stayed with the American artist and Estelle Rice, 1877-1959, in Lou, Cornwall, hoping the sea air would aid recovery. While there, Rice painted Mansfield's portrait, which the author requested in vivid red. The painting now lives in the Museum of New Zealand Te Papatongirwa in Wellington, New Zealand. Mansfield's health continued to worsen, but she refused to enter a sanatorium. Instead, she moved to Bandol in southeastern France, where she resided in a quiet hotel. Whilst feeling isolated and depressed, Mansfield focused on her writing, producing short stories, such as Jamie Parle Pa Francais and Bliss. The latter became the title story of her collection Bliss and Other Stories, published in 1920. In March 1919, Mansfield suffered a lung hemorrhage, which prompted Murray to urge her to marry him. As soon as her divorce papers came through from Bowden, the couple married in April in London. Murray's financial situation had much improved, and he worked as the editor for the literary magazine The Athenaeum. Mansfield contributed over 100 book reviews to the magazine, and many well-known authors submitted short stories and poems, including T.S. Eliot, 1888-1965, Thomas Hardy, 1840-1928, Aldous Huxley, 1894-1963, and Virginia Woolf. Mansfield traveled to San Remo, Italy, with Ida to avoid the harsh English winters. Murray joined them for Christmas but returned to London soon after. It became normal for Mansfield and Murray to live apart, which Mansfield used as the basis of her story The Man Without a Temperament. Swapping tuberculosis for heart disease, Mansfield wrote about a man who is scorned for leaving his poorly wife behind while he goes for a walk. In May 1921, 
Mansfield and Ida visited the Swiss bacteriologist Henri Spalling in Switzerland in search of tuberculosis treatment. In June, Marie joined her, and they rented a chalet in the canton of Valais. While undergoing treatment, Mansfield wrote rapidly, fearing she had little time left. The majority of her short stories from this period were published in The Garden Party and Other Stories in 1922. This publication received mixed reviews from critics. Some argued it left them cold, and others claimed it to be a selection of her best works. One story, The Daughters of the Late Colonel, is regarded as Mansfield's finest work. It concerns the lives of two sisters, Josephine and Constantia, who are trying to come to terms with the death of their father. Mansfield emphasized that middle-class women brought up in old-fashioned ways do not know how to fend for themselves. Their father always made decisions about their lives, and without him, the sisters are lost. Readers have interpreted the story differently. For some, this is the sisters' chance to live their life as they wish, for others, the sisters face perpetual misery, unable to live without their father. Although she did not make it clear in her writing, Mansfield favored the latter outcome, saying to a friend, all was meant, of course, to lead up to that last paragraph, when my two flowerless ones turned with that timid gesture, to the sun. Perhaps now? And after that, it seemed to me, they died as truly as father was dead. In early 1922, Mansfield gave up on tuberculosis treatment in Switzerland and searched for alternative methods. A form of X-ray treatment in Paris caused her painful side effects and failed to improve her condition. Mansfield and Murray briefly returned to Switzerland, where Mansfield finished her final short story, The Canary. After this, they visited London before moving permanently to Fontainebleau in France. Here, Mansfield lived as a guest at the Institute for the Harmonious Development of Man under the care of Olga Vanna Lazovich Hinzenberg, 1898-1985, the future wife of American architect Frank Lloyd Wright, 1867-1959. Catherine Mansfield's tombstone at Cimetière Davin in Avon, France. On 9th of January 1923, after running up a flight of stairs, Catherine Mansfield suffered a fatal pulmonary hemorrhage. Her husband failed to pay for her funeral expenses, so she was buried in a pauper's grave until he rectified the situation. After this, Mansfield was interred at Cimetière Davin, Avon, near Fontainebleau. Many of Mansfield's stories remained unpublished at the time of her death. Gradually, Murray compiled them into volumes and printed them as The Dove's Nest in 1923 and Something Childish in 1924. He also published a collection of her poems, The Aloe, Novels and Novelists, Letters and Journals. Despite spending half her life in Europe, Mansfield is most known in her home country. About ten schools in New Zealand have a schoolhouse named in her honor. Her birthplace is preserved as the Catherine Mansfield House and Garden, which is open to the public. There is also an award called the Catherine Mansfield Mentone Fellowship, which allows a writer from New Zealand to work in one of Mansfield's former homes in France. In the 1970s, the BBC serialized Catherine Mansfield's life in a miniseries called A Picture of Catherine Mansfield, starring Vanessa Redgrave, B. 1937. Apart from this, little is done to keep the memory of Catherine Mansfield alive in Britain. For such a prolific writer, she remains unknown to many. If Mansfield had lived longer than 34 years, she would easily have exceeded the number of works by some of today's most loved writers. Dash. If you would like to support my blog, become a Patreon from pound 5 slash m or buy me a coffee for 3 pounds. Thank you.